encouraged. Last week we were talking about life is full of seasons. Um, if you are here last week, you might remember that. If you weren't here, uh, what, what were you doing? But the other thought is, um, I'd get online, you know, you can get onto our website, you can sort of go- just Google us, we'll come up really quick, um, and find that message, it says little resources section, you click on that, it'll take you to um, like Spotify or iTunes or something. I would find that message because I believe what we've been talking about, this new series we've been talking about it with seasons is going to be very strategic to our story as a church going forward. And I'm touching on that again um, this morning. Sometimes you start something, you just don't realise how, and I'm going to use the word strategic, it is for where we're heading as a church. So you want to be on board with that. You want to know what we're talking about. We've been talking about seasons, understanding seasons. And one of the things we mentioned, I'm not going to re-preach it, but was if we understand seasons, it takes a lot of the frustration out of the necessary parts of life. And I started this whole series because it was like harvest season. I'm like, yeah, let's talk about harvest season. And so we were doing that, you know, at a, you know, in fact, as, as we pulled into church here this morning, uh, Roy will, will back this up and Marty, there was a header and uh, one of those um, chaser bins sort of going up the road, just past the front of the church. It's harvest season. And the boys are like, where do you reckon he's going, Dad? And I was like, well, if I had a CB, I'd ask him, but he could be going to Gundawindi or he could be going to Northern New Zealand. I don't know. But in Queensland, springtime is harvest season, right? It's payoff for hard work season. And the spiritual season, I strongly believe, and there's plenty of people, it's not just me, there's plenty of people believing and, and sensing and tasting that the season is changing. The season in Australia is changing. The spiritual season is changing. And God is about to do something new and something we've never seen before in this country. And I solidly believe that. And, you, and this is the stuff they were talking about at conference. I actually wrote that in the car, that sentence there, in the car on the way to conference. But um, they were saying that at conference. And, and, and here's, here's, here's part of that story. So um, I'll just read you something. So a member of our congregation sent me this during the week. I read this um, actually last night. So this is talking about last week, okay, not this week. So I got emailed this during the week. Before the sermon today, so it's last Sunday, in church, as we were worshipping, God gave me a picture. It was of a field where the heads on the wheat were so heavy they were drooping. But then I saw tyre tracks over the top of the wheat. It knocked the wheat down so it couldn't be harvested. And I think this means that the harvest is right, but it needs to be harvested before something renders it impossible to harvest. Now, I got that email. Last week I preached, if you weren't here, specifically, that, that happened in the worship, and you just realise that that happens before the preach, right? I specifically preached on harvest. I specifically used wheat as example. And the person who sent me that had no idea what I was about to preach. And they get a picture in the worship of a wheat harvest. Why does that happen? Now, you might be thinking, oh, well, it's harvest season. I've never had that. In 20-odd years, of this, this, in, it's part of this congregation. I've been preaching here for over 20 years, never had it. So why does that stuff happen? I mean, a wheat picture, I've had plenty of that happen, but not just wheat. Why does that stuff happen? Why would God give that picture to that person so they could share it with you? Here's why. God shows us this stuff to say, you guys are on the right track. You're right where I want you to be. I'm in this. I'm leading this. Keep going, keep leaning in, keep being teachable. And I find that very, very exciting where God shows up in a way like that to say, this, I'm on what's happening right now. 
They'll find it very exciting. I'm going to pray. We're going to continue with our, our, our series, which is It's Harvest Time. This morning's message is Understanding Harvest. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the times that you speak to us. You're speaking to us all the time. But Lord God, I pray, I thank you for the times that you speak to us as a collective in a big way. And you say, hey, 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 just keep going, keep running, keep, keep being teachable, keep leaning in. You're headed in the right direction. Don't get distracted by this and that that wants to try and distract you. Lord God, I pray that we're not distracted this morning. I pray that we're leaning in this morning. I pray that you're speaking to each one. I know, in fact, I know you're speaking to each one of us. But Lord, I pray that you'll help us open our hearts to receive what you had for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the key text for our series, and we look at it every week, um, Luke chapter 12. So they'll throw that on the screen behind me, I'm sure. There it is. And then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, when you see the clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower. And you're right. When the south wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher. And it is. You fools. You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. That's what we're talking about. That's what we'll be talking about in this series. Now, while I was away, in, just speaking about this, the time we're in, while I was away this week, I was actually, remember I said we were at conference, um, you know, on the Sunshine Coast? Well, before the conference started, I found myself at the plaza. I don't know if you've ever found yourself there on the sunny coast. Anyway, we're just there, just doing whatever, and I get this random, totally random phone call from a guy by the name of Jason. Now, this, this particular Jason, he was the contractor who um, sealed our car park, put the bitumen on our car park and driveway. Anyway, I get this phone call, and he tells me he's just got off the phone from his niece in England, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, mate, that was cool. He said, no, no, no. Um, because I knew he, about this niece in England, and you'll, you'll realise why in a second. But he says, no, 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 Shane, my, my niece said, can you contact that pastor and his church in Roma, which obviously he was doing, and say, thank you. And this is a lady who lives in England, never been to Australia to my knowledge. Now, why would she want to say thank you to you guys? Throw it up. This little baby was born so premature that she wasn't expected to live. And God knew. And so what happened was, this little baby that you see now, that's a current photo. I said, can you send me a photo? That's a, like, I don't know how old that is, but it'd be very current. Um, and, and what happened was, while Jason was here with his crew and his team doing the car, we, I might have mentioned this before, but it bears repeating because I got the phone call and I feel God's in it. Um, so while he was here, like the baby was born while he was here. And part of his story, I'm not going to go into it, is that he was driving past one day and he really felt to drive in and, and offer us to do our car park and it happened. God knew. Anyway, so, so we're, I can tell you where we're, we're just standing just out here. Half, car park's half done. I rock up just to check, see how the boys are going halfway through the project. And, um, and he just was a bit funny and he, he said, oh, just got this news. I said, well, mate, you're in the right place. Can we pray? So we pray. And so I'm talking to his son the next day, just about it. His son said something to me about it. And I said, mate, this doesn't, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, I pray a lot. I said, this doesn't always happen. But when I prayed with your dad for your, whatever that relative would be, um, so it's Jason's niece's daughter. I said, I could just sense the tangible presence. Guy. He said, I know, dad told me. <laughs> dad doesn't go to church. 
And I said to, 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 the, to Jason, I said, mate, can we pray? Would you, would, is it okay? I always ask you, is it okay if we pray as a church on Sunday? I'd love to see healing. And he said, yeah, mate, no worries. And we did, so you may remember that. Um, and we prayed as a church on Sunday. And now everybody who knows this little one in England knows her as the miracle baby. Yeah, absolutely. So I tell you, God is doing amazing things. I've never met any of the above. We prayed here in Australia in a car park that was half finished to see a miracle in England. That's cool. And I know that stuff's been happening you know, over the years, but God is doing new stuff. He's doing amazing things. Believe me, it's harvest season. Now, we're going to go to John chapter 4. I've got a bit of scripture for you guys this morning, so I have to be very conscious of my time. Um, meanwhile, so this, so what, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus. There's a bit, bit happened, right? There's a bit been going on, and the disciples come to Jesus. You can read it later if you want. We're reading from John chapter 4. We're starting at 31, but there's a whole heap of stuff that transpires before that. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus. Rabbi, eat something. Just keep moving through this quick. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone, and then the thing, did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other because they're like, where's this food come from? And then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and... And he just rolls into this, Jesus. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And the harvesters are paid good wages. And the this is cool stuff. And the harvest is people brought to eternal life. We're talking about the harvest, remember. What joy awaits... He talks about joy there. Both the planter and the harvester alike. Verse 37. You know the saying, one plants and one and another harvest. And it's true. But in this case, he's saying, I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. Many, now this is cool, many Samaritans from the village believes in Jesus. Because he'd just been talking to this woman. Um, because who had said, he, Jesus said he'd told me everything I ever did. Let's do that again. Many, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because Jesus told them everything they ever did. Is that how, what it reads? Let's try it again. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because who? The woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Now, this woman had never been to Bible college. <laughs> in fact, five minutes before she was living a lot, before that was said, she's living a lifestyle that probably wasn't um, honouring to God. And yet this woman became part of the harvest so quickly. And there's not a lot of there's not a lot we're going to talk about that this morning. There's a lot of great stuff in this verse, but here's some stuff that we need to talk about right now that's right now for Roma. And here's the thought. Jesus says it there. Throw me the slide up. The harvest is plentiful. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. And you might be like, wow, that's not my experience. You know what? A couple of weeks ago, we were away. Uh, the family was away again. We were very blessed. We happened to be away. Anyway, we're just cruising around. And Rory from the back of the van says, oh, these dual cab land cruisers are so common. They're everywhere. And I'm just like, you're an idiot. 
These dual cab Land Cruisers, they're about, you know, I looked it up later, I thought they were about 100 grand. They're $77,000 each, and they're rare as hen's teeth because nobody can afford them. Anyway, so anyway, so after all, we said, we're just like, mate, you're kidding yourself. But what happened was, we're on the road, so I was like, oh, we'll keep an eye out for these dual cab Land Cruisers and see if we can spot any that are so common. Now, that became very embarrassing for me because <laughs> to, be, to be truthful, don't tell Rory this, but to be truthful, I think between them and when we got back to Roma, which was a, which is probably a couple of thousand kilometres, well, I don't know, yeah, it'd be a thousand kilometres in, in that, um, we saw way more dual cabs than we saw single cabs. There were places that where dual cabs were so common, you can find a single cab Land Cruiser, and then places where I thought, well, once we get, we're driving back into Roma, I thought, the tally's going to change now, we're in Roma, and we're going to be all single cabs, and I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or whether it was Rory articulating the stuff, I don't know, but we, I reckon we saw just as many dual cabs coming through Roma. Uh, we even had rules about how you could spot them. They had to be on the road. They had to be going the opposite direction. Like it became a real thing. But the point is this. I'd seen the odd dual, dual cab Land Cruiser, but I had no idea they were everywhere because I wasn't looking for them. And that's the thing with the harvest. If you're not looking for it, you won't see it. And Jesus, even in this passage, said, i got food you haven't even seen, you know, nothing about. And the next verse, he basically says, it's everywhere. And why aren't we seeing the harvest? Because we're not looking for it. The harvest is plentiful. The reason we don't see it, and, and I'm told that story is 100% true, by the way. I couldn't see these cruisers because I wasn't looking for them. I didn't have a dual cab land cruiser mindset. Now, I'm guaranteeing you if, you, were, if one of your passions was to own one or drive one or something, you would be seeing them everywhere just like Rory was because you got the mindset for it. You're focused on it. You've got, mate, it's just these things are everywhere. The fields are ripe, but the workers are few. The second thing Jesus says about the harvest, and I don't think we talk about this enough, and they'll throw it up for me. Um, harvest is fuel. Jesus was saying, you know, I have fuel you don't know anything about. And then he goes straight to talk to harvest. He says, my fuel is to do with the will of the Father. And then he says about the harvest. So the will of the Father is to be about harvest. And Jesus is saying, that's what fuels me. That's where I get all my, um, all my energy from. Because they're like, well, mate, how does this guy keep going? He doesn't eat. And Jesus is like, mate, I'm getting empowered by something way more powerful than what you guys have got. See, last week we talked about understanding the seasons, right? And that all seasons culminate in harvest. Every season is actually about harvest. Every season, even the fallow season it, or, or the in-between crops, if you like, whatever, that's about resting the soil. Not because we think, man, you guys have really done a big deal. You're really worn out and tired. We'll give you a break just because we love you. No, it's, it's, no, it's about give, making sure it's ready for the next harvest. That's the only reason they do that. Otherwise, they'd just be like this the whole time. All seasons culminate in harvest, even when there's nothing going on. It's still about harvest and you don't plant a seed, you know, planting seeds. You don't plant the seed because you like planting seed. You plant seed so you get a harvest. It's the only reason you do it. You don't do it just for the fun of it. We talked last week about teams, like sporting teams. Football teams don't do pre-seasons just to get fit, although that is, and we talked about this a little bit, we're going to talk about it more next week, that is a, um, an outcome of pre-season. You'll get fit. But they actually do a big pre-season. They're inspired to do pre-season. They work hard in pre-season so they can win the final. That's why you train, so you can win the final. It's all about the harvest, the end game. What we didn't say last week about this, about the harvest um, in that space um, and why it's so important is it's, and if you think about this, you know, from, 
from any perspective really, whether it's farming or sporting or whatever, um, it's the harvest that finances the whole operation. So for the farmers, if they were just doing their thing and didn't worry about the harvest, they'd eventually become bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt people out there, isn't there? You know, eventually you become bankrupt because it's all, if we're not all about the harvest, it's the, it's the harvest that empowers the whole thing. The, for the farmers, it's the finances, it's the resources. Um, what we make on harvest this year gives us the resources to go again next year. Now, you don't need to know anything about how, how farming to understand that's probably the truth, right? But so it was with Jesus. He's like, you guys are going to run out of steam. I'm about the harvest here, and because I'm about the harvest, it continues to fuel me. And you think of all the works of Jesus and the stuff he saw. But we just get caught up in stuff that's that's not connected to the harvest, and we wonder why we're running out of steam as Christians, as disciples, as followers. And we're like, oh, it just gets a bit, you know, whatever. It's because you're not about harvest. Here, Jesus says it really, really um, plain, I believe. He says, it's the harvest that sustains me. It's the harvest that energises me. It's the harvest that keeps me going. All right, so you've got to understand there's fuel in the harvest. I, that, that could be the message today, by the way. I could spend the rest of my time i got left on that, but I'm not going to. The next slide, we're going to get rowing through this. It's a cycle. Throw it up. Harvest is a cycle. We talked about that briefly a little bit already. So we've got harvest is plentiful. Jesus said that. The fields are ripe. And Jesus is like, the harvest is what fuels us. But here's the other thing to, rem- to remember about harvest. It's a cycle. Jesus says, you know, usually, you know, you've got to plant and there's a few months and one person plants and this and that. He actually talks about the cycle of harvest. And he says to his disciples, he says, but be thankful. Um, there's a whole heap of hard work's already got done. You just can just go in and harvest. And I actually feel like we're entering that season in this country. Um, so the fields are ripe. The fields are fertile. But here's a question we need to ask ourselves because this whole process is a cycle. Have I been planting? Have I been weeding? Have I been doing the things that I need to do which are part of my responsibility in this, in this cycle that is harvest? So there's things that we need to do, but here's a thought for you. In the whole process, think farming still. I'm sorry, we live in Rome. I was brought up on a farm, all right? We didn't talk about farming today. But in, far, in that process of farming, my brother's probably sitting on a harvester right now um, if he's not at church. If you're listening, you should be at church. Um, <laughs> but we're right in the middle of that. They're right in the middle of a harvesting, and he's a farmer, but he knows this. He can prepare the soil the best he knows. He can conserve his moisture. He can spray all the weeds. He can put the right seed in at the right time. But if God doesn't shine on that, if God doesn't water that, it's all for naught. So he understands, and he understands that the other thing he understands, because he's been farming for a long time, that God does do that. Otherwise, he wouldn't be farming, would he? He understands that, hey, if I do my bit, God will do his bit. God will shine, and the plants will get energy from that, and they'll grow up, and God will bring the water, and, um, and all that will happen. It'll all happen by now. He doesn't have to do that. He's not out there with a torch in the middle of when it's growing season. He just relies on God to do his bit. It's a cycle. All right, we do our bit, God does his bit. Make sense? It certainly does. So it's a partnership. Farming is a partnership. It's a partnership. People don't realize this, but it really is. It's a partnership between the farmer and God. They don't understand, but it's true. So it is with harvest in the spiritual. We got stuff we're supposed to be doing. It's a partnership. 
God is looking for people to partner with. He's looking for a prepared paddock to rain on. The sun's always shining. It's always sending its power to partner with plants that want to grow. And something I realised as I put this message together, the sun just shines anyway. If you know anything about plants, and I've done plant stuff at university, but you learn this in about grade nine biology here in Australia anyway, that in the plants there's this stuff called chlorophyll and it turns the sun's energy into plant energy. Now, whether you plant your paddock or not, that sun's shining. The power is always there. That's a thought for someone this morning. The power is always there. It's just waiting for someone to put some chlorophyll in between it and the plant. Let's see some action here, stuff that wants to grow. Matthew chapter 9, let's read this. Love this part. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to read from verse 35, Matthew chapter 9. Jesus travelled through all the towns and villages, and this is what we're talking about a minute ago. He's doing his ministry, and that's fueling him, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, I love this, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless. like she- That's what Jesus does, by the way, like sheep without a shepherd. And, when he's, and he says this to his disciples because he sees all these people who just need Jesus, for want of a better word. And he says to his disciples, the harvest is so great, but the workers are few. Is that where we've learned that? So pray to, and this is, yeah, that's right. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. He's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send the wheat sheaves into the harvester. Bring the plants to us, he said, that we may bless them, O little ones. No, he said this. He said, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. Jesus' disciples weren't playing for the harvest so much. They were praying for the harvest doors. That's interesting. God is constantly doing his bit. But Jesus said, pray for harvesters. We get that, I don't know, I'll I'll take blame for that as a senior pastor here, but I reckon sometimes we get that around the wrong way. We're praying, Lord, bring the harvest in. And Jesus is up there thinking when he's listening to our prayers, he's like, flip, didn't you read Matthew chapter 9? We want to pray for the plants, but Jesus says, don't worry about the plants. I've actually got them covered. Send me as many headers. Remember I talked about the header going down the road this morning. Send me as many headers as you can. The more headers we get, the more crop we can get off. Makes sense. But here's a question. Why do we pray for harvest when Jesus actually said pray for harvest doors? Why do we do that? I've got a thought. Throw it up. It's easier for me to pray for someone else to change than to take responsibility. Just thought I'd put that on a slide. <laughs> when Jesus said there is a harvester shortage, and, he, and you know, I'm telling you, let's go back, and you can throw, take that off. When, when, let's go back to when Jesus actually said that. And Jesus is there, and he's like, mate, you know, the harvest, he's got compassion. He sees all these people that need Jesus, and he's like, man, we need to fix this. And he says, you know, we need to send some harvesters out there. And, and imagine if you were there when Jesus said that, pray, for the, pray to the Lord of the harvest, we'll get harvesters. Imagine if you were there, what would you be thinking? Like, seriously, you'd be thinking, oh, it's truth. Well, I could probably do that. I could probably do that. Why do you think Jesus encourages to pray into it? Because if you're in your prayer closet, if you're at your house, and you're praying to the Lord, and you're seeking the Lord, and you remember um, Matthew chapter 9, and you're like, oh, 
Yeah, that's right. They were talking about that on Sunday. I should be praying that for the harvesters to come. And you start praying for the harvesters because that's not the harvest, the harvesters because that's what Jesus said to do. And you're praying and what do you think Holy Spirit's going to say? Seriously. Um, I know where one is. <laughs> where in your life are you living for harvest? Where in your life are you living for harvest? I mean living for harvest. I mean focused on harvest. I mean harvest is what you do. You see, to live for the harvest is to live for something bigger than yourself. That's what it is. It's to have a hope that what we plant will multiply. It's to live for eternal legacy. I'm just thinking about this while we're at conference. It's to live for eternal legacy. You know what we do too often? You know, I think this is because we're in the Western world. Too often we're focused on comfort. We just live for comfort. Comfort's the enemy of growth, by the way. But it's time to start living for something bigger. To live for eternal legacy. If you're about harvest, and we've all got opportunities to be involved in the process. Don't be sitting here this morning. The Samaritan woman had been, had been a follower of Jesus for like 30 seconds. First thing she did, ran back to her village and told everybody what Jesus was doing. Everybody's got that opportunity. But here's the other thing. It's to live by faith. Because as we said before, there's an element that we do, but just like the farmer, there's an element that he does. So when, when we read in the Bible that it's faith that pleases God, this is one of those spots. This is one of those moments where we go, you know what, God, I'm going I'm to do this for the harvest. I've, I've got this. You know, funnily enough, I was talking, just a conference, right? I was talking about this. I've told this story so many times here. Um, so I'm not going to labour it. But um, many, tw over 20 years ago, I was at this thing and there was this guy there and he was telling his story and how he got started in harvest. It literally was the story. And, and he was praying to the Lord of the harvest, hey, Lord, send harvesters. But he was actually praying better than that. He said, send me. Just a young punk, had nothing. He said, but i got nothing. And, and I've, I've told the story. But God said to him, uh, the whole, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, well, what's in your pocket? He didn't even know. So he puts his hand in his pocket. Car keys. Car keys were in his pocket. And he's like, well, what do you... And he says, like, you can get people to church. See, that's what harvest mindset does. Here's, here's the thing. So I was telling someone that story. Now, now, I reckon it was the same morning tea period. So it's like 10 minutes later, I reckon. 10 minutes later, the guy who told me that story over 20 years ago, who's, who's actually Andy Goulet, who's in charge of the Red Frogs movement now, and it's just it's gone basically international. Back then, we were chatting, and back then, I think Red Frogs had only just started, if it started at all, when I heard that story. His life had just gone on this massive trajectory where um, the Red Frogs is something where they, um, you know, they look after university students when they're on... Um, when they're at schoolies and all that, and they share the gospel with him. Funnily enough, though, he had a guy with him that day over 20 years ago and uh, whose name was Spinner, right? And uh, you'd probably get that name on purpose. Um, so anyway, this guy's name is Spinner. And I said to him, I still remember the, his little sidekick's name because Spinner was a guy that he'd just been picking up at a skate park and bringing to youth. And, uh, and he'd found Jesus that way just because he had a mate. And I said, 
I said, Andy, just, just out of interest, I said, I remember back, because we're talking about this time, this little conference, it was only a tiny little thing, it was like 12 of us in a room, um, and Spinner was there, I said, that Spinner guy, how's he going? He said, I was still in contact with him today, he's going awesome. Why? Because somebody said, hey, God, this whole harvesting, love to help out, got nothing, and Holy Spirit's like, you've got to be serious. you got nothing. you not read the loaves and fishes story? It's a good story. To live by faith um, um, is to be part of the harvest. We've all got something that God can use, but we've got to present it to the Lord of the harvest. So to understand the harvest, throw up the next slide. So we're just going to have a quick look at this, just a quick recap. Um, And I'll probably get another point, but we might leave that for next week. So is harvest time. Harvest is plentiful. Just understand that. Start getting your harvest eyes on. The Land Cruiser story. All right. It's fuel. It's fuel. This season's harvest is the fuel for the next season. If we're serious, see, your faith is about harvest. And when we get the fact that Jesus came into your space, someone, this is how I think. You know what? I'm so thankful to a church in Chinchilla um, in the 80s and the people there. Some of them I still run into different places. But here's the thing. I didn't initially grow up in church. My family wasn't Christians. But somebody invited them to a church. And you know what happened? We turned up to a church and there were people there. They weren't preaching. They weren't on the platform. Uh, They weren't even probably serving morning tea. They weren't on welcomers. They weren't even out in life kids. They were in the auditorium. And when I walked through the door, they were there. You know, I often reflect on that. What if nobody turned up that day? What if, what if that church didn't have a harvest mindset? What if that church didn't understand that that's the fuel? Now, when we came in and we sat down, and we're a bit sort of rough around the edges, I guess, and that, they just loved on us. And they're just like, you know what? He, these guys have come from nowhere. Like, we were so not church, right? And we had no idea. And they just loved on us. Because why? Because they're about the harvest. They turned up. They just turned up because they're about the harvest. Like, you know, I can make a difference. And they loved on us as a family. And I'm here today. And I often reflect on that congregation. To be honest, not the preachers. To be honest, not the... I can't even remember who the worship leaders even were. To be frank, no idea. I remember the people we sat behind. And I remember the people who sat behind us. And I was like under the chairs. They had pews, right? And so I'd play with my cars under the pews. And every now and again, they'd get under their feet. And and what they thought of us. I I think they thought I was a bit... This one. But... um, that's what it is to be about the harvest, isn't it? We're about the harvest. I'm there because somebody might need me today. And that's what we're about, the harvest. Would you stand with me this morning? I did have some other things I want to share, but I just want to leave it in that space this morning to say, hey, we're about harvest. We are about harvest here. If there's things that you, um, and we always have been, to be honest, but I think God's bringing us into a new, yeah, the musos can come to the platform. We come into a new season of that, but there's some things we do here that might be a bit different or they might be a bit weird or whatever. But we have one mission here, and that is to bring Jesus to Roma and Roma to Jesus. That's what we do. That's why we're here. We're trying to create a church for the unchurched. We're trying to create a space where people can come into and who are like I was, and like my parents were, and like my brothers and sisters who knew nothing about Jesus and create a space for them because that church understood harvest. I believe we do too. But if we don't talk about it, sometimes it gets lost in everything else. The harvest is plentiful. 
If you're feeling, a li- if you've been following Jesus for a long time and you're feeling a little bit, oh, I don't know what, you know, where I'm at with my faith, I tell you the one thing that you need to do is find out where your spot is in the harvest. Find, what are you doing? Ask yourself, if, and, and, and I'm feeling this, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing. But if you did one thing after this service, is to ask Holy Spirit, where is my spot in the harvest? Because, you know, I said, that, you know, the header went past this morning, and, and then a, a, a field, a, um, a, what do they call those things? I've already said it. Uh, chaser bin, the chaser bin went past and we need him and we need the guy at the silos and we need the guy who drives the semi-trucks and we need the guy that organises the guy that drives the semi-trucks. Every little piece is required. Every little piece is needed. But, 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 but to be honest, if the chaser bin doesn't, doesn't turn up that day, and I'm not talking about Sunday morning, I'm talking about Monday morning. If the chaser bin guy doesn't turn up, do his bit, the bit that God empowered him to do from the beginning of time. And if he doesn't turn, I tell you, we get the harvest off. We do get the harvest off because God's harvest, right? But man, we're working hard. It's so much easier when we all bring whatever was in our pocket, whatever God gave us at the beginning of time to be part of the harvest. Can I pray with you? Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for hearts that are so open and so desiring what you're desiring. Lord, as I pray with people from Life Church, and whether it's the pre-service prayer meeting, whether it's the, the worship team's prayer meeting, whether it's our prayer and praise, when I talk to people, we're so passionate. We're so passionate about seeing people connect with you because we know the difference it makes. Not just eternally, but in this life. We know, we know how you, you bring so much into our worlds. As we said last week, you know, um, the Jesus journey has more resource for what all of us are trying to do than anywhere else. And so, Lord God, as a church this morning, I pray that this was about us as individuals, not as us corporately. This is about us as individuals. Are we seeing the harvest that's plentiful? Are we using it to empower, are using that process to empower us and energize us for the things of the kingdom? And Lord God, are we doing you our bit so you can do your bit? Lord, we thank you that as we do our bit, as we step into that space, you are such a good God. You are so honouring. And we thank you, Lord God, as we do that in faith, you empower the journey even further. You take us even further. Next year's harvest is going to be bigger. We've got more seed than we even need. So we thank you for that, Lord God. We thank you that you want to speak into those spaces in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.